Hey everyone, Joe Soto here. Welcome to another episode of the Not Your Average Joe Show. I've got a really special guest today. I can't wait to bring him on. I've got Adam Markell with us. He is a number one Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Los Angeles Times, Publishers Weekly, bestseller, uh, bestselling author of the book Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career in Life, and his new book, which is coming out on 2-22-22, I love it, called Change Proof, Leveraging the Power of Uncertainty to Build Long-Term Resilience. That is the topic of the show today, which is uh, how do you build resilience and how do we make that our competitive advantage? And, you know, this is just going to be an organic uh, discussion and you're not going to want to miss it. So stay right with us. We'll be right back with you. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. Adam Markell is here in the house. Welcome, Adam. Hey, cool, Joe. Awesome, buddy. Hey, I, I was listening to that and I thought, man, that's a lot of twos, yo. Two, 22, 22, but they're peace signs as well. So I yes. like, love those and twos. Congratulations on the book that's about to come out. We're going to talk yeah. a little bit about it. More importantly, we're going to share insights from that book. Hopefully people get pick up the book and I, and I know they will. Um, from watching this show, I am uh, fired up that you've you're releasing it through a major publisher, and it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be in all the airports, probably all the books, all the all the all the bookshelves. If people are still going to the bookstore, I was at a Barnes and Noble last week, and uh, I'm like, you know, I just got to support the bookstore. So I went, no kidding, I bought a couple books. Told my kids, I said, pick out some books because we got to support this. We got to support these bookstores. Yeah, we want we want the bookstores to stay in business for sure. Yes. Yes, yes. Even though Amazon's taking over the world. Okay. So I'm fired up to have you here. I know you're, you've been a keynote speaker and shared the stages with some of the biggest clients in the world. Um, I have here, you know, companies like Herbalife and Jack in the Box and Harvard, and uh, you have an amazing TED Talk. I would encourage everybody to go and watch. Um, and we're going to talk uh, about some of the insights you've shared in some of those talks and insights you share in, in the book. Um, one of the cornerstones and philosophies that you uh, kind of your world kind of revolves around is resilience. And it's um, a word I don't take lightly. And I'll just share with you as we get going here. I, I When I first started in really sales training, which was back in 2001 for a company that was in New York, I had a uh, CEO of that company tell me one time, he says, Joe, one of your probably your most gifted characteristics is your ability to be resilient. And mm -hmm. I really didn't know what he was talking about back then. I'm young and kind of dumb. And I'm like, I don't really know what he means by that, but you decipher it better than most. So let's first, let's talk about how the book came to be, but then let's define right up front. Your book's called Change Proof. Um, I'll put links in the comments, don't worry. I'll put links here up on the screen. You can go and find all of Adam's stuff. But Adam, let's start with, explain to us what you mean by resilience. Well, so re resilience is an interesting word because so many people define it for themselves differently. And, and I'd like to start by just saying what resilience isn't to begin with. Love it. It's, it's not our capacity to bounce back as so many people think. It, it's not about how we endure things that are difficult in our lives or even suffering. Um, it, it, and I say what it is 
is based on research that we've done over the last many years, 3,000 assessments of, of leaders uh, of, in organizations globally, from everything from Fortune 50 companies to startups. And what we've determined through that research, as well as through just my own personal experience, is that resilience is about how it is that we leverage uncertainty, how we actually leverage the power of adversity and uncertainty for one thing that is vital to our lives, and that is growth. It's it's essential to our personal lives. It's essential to our, it's essential to the growth of our companies. We have to grow. And the way we grow is through times like the ones that we're living in, oddly enough. And, and people are, are, you know, they're so exhausted right now and, and, uh, and even near burnout or burnout because of the fact that they're just dealing with a, a constant and ever present uncertainty. Um, so our way of looking at resilience based on research and what we do to create resilience, which I, I hope we'll get to talk about, um, is how it is that you actually make use of the times that we're in as some of the most powerful times of your entire life. I mean, the truth is we're going to learn, we'll learn the lessons of this time five years from now, 10 years from now, just like five years ago or 10 years ago, you and I were chatting just before we got live that the last time we probably were in a room together was on a stage or something about 10 years ago. And, you know, that's the way time goes, right? You just snap your fingers and it's Gone. 10 years. Yeah. Um, and the things that you were worried about, the things that, that I, you know, may have been in fear or doubt or worry about 10 years ago, I have wisdom about now. I have perspective about those things. I see where it was that it led me to this moment. I see where it, it produced growth for me. So the great news about that is that it's the same in this moment that we can consult the future. You know, part of the the end of this book, the end of this this uh, this book, which was just a joy uh, to produce, and of course, it takes a village to do it. McGraw Hills was was wonderful to want to publish it um, and all that. But the end of the book, we talk about how it is that we learn from the future. So the book is called Change Proof. The end of the book is really about how it is that we future-proof ourselves. And right. I'll tell you just the, this, the, the simple uh, uh, thing that I think we can all grasp at the moment. Is the future will always teach us something in the present, and that is that this is a moment of growth. And that's if we just look at everything in, through that lens to start with, you know, then, then we have a, a series of options that we didn't have when we thought, you know, this uncertainty is frustrating. This uncertainty is exhausting. This uncertainty is going to, is somehow going to get in the way of my survival or get in the way of my achieving some greater goal. So, uh, resilience is definitely not about bouncing back. It's about bouncing forward. Uh, I love, I love that. What a, what a great, um, paradigm shift. Your, your attitude is, you know, obviously coming through and how you define and look at resilience much different than how other people look at it. I love it. Um, you also have been known to say we, we've got to develop our resilience before we need it. Uh, maybe explain what some of the first steps of doing that would be. I mean, I'm just going to say this. You, you start to write a book about something, or, or in, th in this case, we've been researching and writing this book for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, be careful what you write about. So just on the eve of launching this book, I'm in Mexico. I'm going to pull in a prop for this in a okay. second here. But I'm in Mexico just literally last week with my honey. I'm, I married my college sweetheart like this summer will be 33 years ago. We have four wow. kids. I know we don't have half as many kids. As you <laughs> still do, a lot Joe. of kids. <laughs> but still a lot of kids, man. Yeah. And they're all out of the house. They're all growing. They're on their feet. 33 you know. years. 
no kidding. It's it definitely is uh, it's something um, so special. We were away on this romantic trip, and at the end of like the six day vacation in this beautiful place in in in, uh, in Cabo, on the very last day, two hours before we're ready to go to the airport, I'm in the surf, and uh, and I get hit with like a rogue. I mean, I, I surf. I love to be in the water. I'm a waterman. A lot of my stories revolve around my days as a lifeguard. I got crushed, dude. This was like a punch wave. And this thing just took me up and then slammed me down. And I'm sitting oh. here at this moment. I don't know if I can show you this no. with my leg. But, dude, I am literally in a cast. In a, <laughs> you in are cast. laid up. And, and I got a, I got a crutch here, man. This is not like a, no BS story here. And oh, this no. literally happened just a few days ago, right now. So here, here's the thing: we could, we could discuss a lot of things, but I, I just want to say that in that moment when I realized I could not stand up, I'm, I'm in the surf, and my wife is there. She was behind me, and I was like, literally. I said, run, because this wave just popped up out of nowhere and it was about to crash. And so yeah. she turned and, and, and burned and I went up the wave and came down and then I'm lying in the surf and I couldn't get my, couldn't oh put my any God. weight on it. Yeah. I had this moment. That's scary. Yeah. It was terrifying. Dude. Yeah. I mean, like for real, everything I'm, I travel all around the world. I'm keynoting for organizations. We do a bunch of consulting. I mean, I'm active. We have a, we just have a, had a grandson. I'm a poppy now. I mean, <laughs> I, I hold him. I, I yeah. change him. I get in the bathtub with him. I mean, you know, I'm an active guy. I do think. Yeah. And in that moment, so many of the things that would be my normal would be the, the way that, that I would, you know, it would be the, the, the good status quo. Like my life is good and all that, like everything just in that moment got shaken. And, and even in this, you know, here I had to cancel a trip to go to England to be with my daughter. Who's like studying there. A lot of things immediately became like change. Yeah. This book is called change proof. Immediately yeah. there are dozens of changes that result from the fact that my MRI says I got a uh, two fractures <laughs> in oh my, my knee, yeah. and it's it's eight weeks of convalescence, right? But in that moment, my my question to myself was, "What's good about this? What's good about this? What am, what am I going to yeah. learn about this?" And and the the level of sensitivity that I gained from it almost immediately, the love that I was that that I was able to experience in the people around me, the people at the hotel, the people that were driving us to the airport, the people that put me in the wheelchair and were carting me around the airports in both Cabo and, and in Phoenix and in San Diego when we got home. I mean, it was just like I, I was getting a dose of compassion in a way that, that I, I know is just something I needed, you know, something I look at and reflect in my own way and say, you know, where have I lacked compassion or where have I not been seeing people or seeing situations the way, you know, that I now can see them because through this other lens, I'm going, yeah, I, I can't even do a lot of things for myself. I won't get into that, but you know, I need help. I need, yeah, I'm vulnerable. I mean, th this was an incredible story to kind of in a long way answer the question of how do you head off resilience before you need it? Um, you, you had two questions that you asked yourself there. It wasn't, you said, you said them quickly. You said, what's good about this and what, what is there to learn from this? Uh, you know, so I hope everyone watching, listening to this, you know, some people might be listening to this as it gets put on the podcast channels and Apple podcasts and Spotify and so on later that you learn to adopt those questions and get them into your regimen of, of not just 
when you experience a hard time or a setback or a challenge or extreme change where the ripple effect was like what Adam just expressed, but that you have those two questions prepared ahead of time. Well, you knew to ask it. those. That, <laughs> the brilliance is that you knew to ask those. Like that came out of you because you had already preset those questions from when, you know, maybe you were teaching it, but didn't have to live it yet. But then now you're living it and you had those questions ready. Yeah. You just, you literally just gave me full body chills, Joe. And, and it's part, I think, because your, your finger is right on the pulse of this, which is that there's a, there's a system that I was already working on from prior experiences and from this, the people that I'd interviewed and the research that we'd done with this really important assessment tool that we call the resilience rank or rank your resilience assessment. And from 3000 of these data points, we were able to establish certain things that led to the, the way this book is constructed to help people develop their resilience. And this three-part system emerged, pause, ask, choose these three simple things. So it's just what you said, even though I didn't expect that wave, I certainly yeah. didn't expect to get rocked and knocked the no, F down. You were ready for the wave, wave, but you were ready for the change. I was ready for the change. Exactly. I, because when you said the, the question was, how do you, how do you prepare, uh, you know, th for change? It's to anticipate it, to start with. That's the yeah. thing. People were rocked by the pandemic. They're rocked by any yeah. number of things. We're rocked by having to wear masks. We're rocked by vaccines. We're rocked yeah. by mandates. We're rocked by the inflation. We're yeah. rocked by every, it's like, what do you rock yeah. by? It's the supply chain. We're rocked yeah. by how many things can you be rocked by and not become completely wiped out? Yeah. And so our goal here is not to become wiped out. How can you be the best leader of your team or the best owner of your company or the best father or mother or friend or brother or sister or son or daughter? How can you be the best at any of those things if you're rocked by the changes that are ever present? I mean, that's the one thing that's a constant. It's kind of an oxymoron, right? Yeah. It's the only constant in the universe is constant change. So to anticipate it is, is the key. And then to know what to do in that moment. Like I was a lifeguard years and years ago. And, and I, I spent sort of the first seven summers uh, out of college, just working at this, at the beach. And I was a teacher during the other part of the year. And then I went to law school and became a lawyer and stuff, but I kept that job for seven summers. The first summer I was working, there was 19 and we lost someone in the surf and we search and rescued him. That was a part of the way I started that Ted talk you, you mentioned earlier. And we, we didn't find him. And it was this devastating event. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 we had to learn how to be resilient that summer. And I'll share a couple of the things that came out of that. But, but the bottom line is, you know, anticipating change at the beach is everything because the tide changes, the wind changes, the sand changes, the sun, everything is constantly changing. So you anticipate the change before it happens so that when it happens, you're actually going, okay, this happened. Like I literally was lying on the sand and going, okay, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like my knee, I cannot walk on my knee. Yeah. This happened. Yeah. So it's a pause to assess. It's a pause to be out, not in a place of judgment or, you know, anger even, Yeah. you know, how outraged we are <laughs> at times right now, right? You take a pause to ask questions. And then, like you say, we had those preloaded questions right there. And then, yeah. you know, what, 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 what do I have to learn here? What's good about this? What's yeah. the creative opportunity in this? And then once you've asked those questions, you get to choose. And I get to choose then in that moment, what's the best thing for this knee that I call Charlie now? What's the best way to love on Charlie? What's the best way to express something internally 
that will allow my body to, to start the healing process, to, to be, to be actively engaged in it, in the repair, in the recovery. So that I can get back right up on the stage and do all the things that I, I normally do. And, and so again, that's, this book is really about recovery, ultimately leading to resilience, that that's the thing that replaces the endurance model. That's the thing that replaces the burn the candle at all ends model, yeah, the yeah. win the night owl award model. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the model that allows you to recover incrementally throughout the day so that you're, you're not only at your best for longer periods of time and your capacity is greater to think critically, to, to take on challenges, et cetera, but also enables you to deal with that anticipated change. You might not know what the change will be, but you anticipate it. And then when it happens, you're there to do something that a lot of other people are not prepared to do. Yeah. Anticipated and, and prepared for it. And, you know, when you look at um, how you, when you were telling the story of your recent accident, the questions just kind of came out of you very, you know, just, you just spit them out. They didn't come out like, Hey Joe, I had this special technique I used in that moment. You just talked it out. And, and uh, I, th- I, I would venture to say you almost said it so fast. You didn't know you said both questions. However, the fact that you go, no, no, it falls back on something you've been working on. You've been researching. It is, you know, the, the premise of your work, you actually give it the steps, the name, you know, pause, ask and choose. Um, and anticipate, but I also heard um, indirectly. I heard your maybe it's your um, underlying core gratitude in all this as well. So, and and because I think that if you don't have a little bit of, of, of gratitude for the situation, you you can't appreciate it enough to ask these questions that are tough questions to ask in a moment of pain or even just challenge of change. That so question not- came up when I was with a doctor. So I'm lying, you know, I'm in, in my hotel room and they bring this guy, this amazing doctor that that's on staff there. Yeah. And when he's looking at my knee and I'm watching his face yeah. and I'm seeing the kind of dejection yeah. <laughs> come over him yeah. because he's looking at me and going, I got to put this yeah. guy in a plane and he's going to get the news like two days from now that yeah. this knee is, you know, this knee is fouled up or whatever the case is. I, I was thinking to myself as I was sitting there, what, what am I grateful for in this moment? And again, yeah, yeah. so you so just- that's one of the questions then. It is. It is absolutely, I mean, and there's no, like the book isn't canned in the sense of here's a, a list of 10 questions and right, kind of right. stuff like that. It's the concept of asking questions and how good we are or can be, I'll say, at asking questions. And yeah. actually, in fact, how poor we are at asking questions typically. And that's why yeah. it's not a practice that or a ritual that we've gotten. That's why I think this book really is is uh, going to help a lot of people. Yeah, and I like that it's not here's a can you know ten questions you should be asking. Maybe there's there it's it's more of um, learn to think like the chef who understands the concept behind why you ask good questions, um, so you can you know you can have a better outcome as a result of this. I mean, you're you're the only person I know with with uh, uh, a really wrecked knee. Uh, and you're out for eight months and you're going to have months of physical therapy. Probably. Eight weeks, buddy. Eight oh, I'm sorry, eight not. weeks, eight weeks. <laughs> you're have, you're, but you're also going to have, you know, probably a few months of physical therapy and other things, you know, to keep for it sure. healing. And you've got like the biggest smile during this whole interview about it. So, you know, you asking the right questions also sets the direction for your mind. Um, 
And I love that. And Rex, I know Rex is on here and participating and has made the comment about directed questions, but that's exactly what this is. Yeah. It is for sure. And, and again, the one thing that we can count on is, is the fact that we're going to get things will rock us and some will rock us, you know, just a little bit like yeah. we were in our house the other day and you know, the house shook a little, in fact, it shook a little and then it shook a little more, you know, yes. we live in Southern California and we had a 4.2 earthquake, you know, 15 miles yeah. away. Well, that moves and, you. Yeah. And it moves you. And there's things that will move you all day, every day. The question is that too many people, are are just trying to get to the end of this thing. There's no end to it. So it, we might get to the end of this variant or that variant or whatever it might be. You know, we might get to the end of the supply chain problem, but it's not the end of the of the uncertainty. It's not the end of challenge. I mean, like I know my own name is Adam. This is not the last time that we're going to be called for to be resilient. That's why you. The key is to create it now before you need it next. That's yeah. really you know the premise. So what do you maybe share with us some insights into what gets in the way of resilience for people? Let's, let's talk about what stands, what gets in the way. Well, for one thing, again, it's, it's this idea that we have to redefine it. And yeah, for a lot of people, it's this big amorphous yeah. thing. And, and what we can do is chunk it down. I think for me, learning is, is easier when I'm able to get little bite-sized pieces of things and yeah. see how I you know, use them tangibly, apply them and that kind of thing. So resilience is broken down in, our, in this book and, and in my, the philosophy that I share with audiences that, and organizations we keynote for are uh, the, the mental zone, the emotional zone, the physical zone, and the spiritual zone, that those four zones create a holistic resilience when we're working on recovery rituals for those things. And that's the key is that recovery. So let's, let's use a different analogy. The formula one. Uh, I don't know if you, you follow formula one racing, my son, Max and I, we love it. And we watch the three seasons on Netflix kind of thing. And it's awesome, man. Uh, these cars are going, I don't know, 200 plus miles an hour, right? For yeah. 72, 73 laps. And, and what's really remarkable to me is that they have to pit, required actually to pit, to go into the pit area, to have their tires changed, to refuel and all that. Because if they don't, if somehow or another that one of these smart, you know, engineering firms could develop a car that could go 72 laps all by, you know, without any pitting, they'd still get penalized time at the end. And the reason is yeah. that according to the rules, they know that if you're out on that track on, on bald tires or worn tires, you are dangerous. You are dangerous to yourself and you're dangerous to all the other drivers. Yeah. And so the, the, the thing that I think is really remarkable is that when they go into that pit area, it's like two or three seconds and they get a full kind of like refresh on their tires, their gas, whatever, and boom, they're right out on the track again. Yeah. And, and, and you can see a car that's like in the, you know, maybe five laps from the end and they're in first place, but they're on, on, worn tires and another car had just pitted and it's a few seconds behind the car behind in second place is going to win that race because there's no way that that person in those tires, you know, those balder tires can break yeah. hard enough, can accelerate hard enough. So this is the thing I want people to really get that when we're talking about the pit, the pit stop, it's a recharge. It's a regeneration, a refresh, a reset. We have to learn how it is that we do that routinely throughout the day. So yeah, I went away for six days to Mexico and came back, you know, with, with crutches. Sometimes the long vacation, 
that isn't the answer. Okay. I'm, <laughs> right. not, saying, I'm right. not saying don't take a good long vacation, you know, from right. time to time, but what really works, what's worked for me, what will work for me in rehabbing my knee and everything else are these, my day is made up of these small rituals from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep that are all designed to create those pit stop moments for so recovery. that I can keep. Yeah, exactly. And that, it, that's the game changer. Yeah. I love, I love the term recover, uh, recovery rituals. And that's really insightful advice for everyone listening to what, what Adam just said is that, you know, and, and I'd love to hear what some of those things are that you do during the day. To, and, and let's ask that, but um, for everybody listening, just being able to take your day and look at it. And most people don't plan their day out. Um, and I'm a big advocate of looking at your day either the night before or the early morning of and planning your day. And you're saying, I'm also planning in my recovery rituals, or at least I know when I'm going to take them, you know, you, it, it, you know, throughout the day. And I think I have a few of, them, of my own because uh, I do the same thing. I go absolutely crazy staring at the screen for too long at a time. Um, yeah. But I'd love to hear what some of your recovery rituals would look like. Yeah. And I want to hear some of yours too. So, okay. it, and it's both because it is the fact that I'm already scheduling it into the day before yeah. the day is in charge, right? Yeah. You're either in charge of your day or your day's in charge of you. Yeah. So I schedule everything and I have somebody that handles my schedule, by the way. I mean, I, I work yeah. with it. I yeah. follow it, but I don't, I don't do that for myself either. Uh, but it's the stuff that you schedule. And then it's the, what do you, what do you interchange? What do I need in the moment? I don't want anything to be canned. I prefer it to be organic and I want it to be, I want it to be effective, which means it has to be fresh. It's like, you know, anything that's stale isn't going to work. So sometimes, sometimes it's a 20 minute or a 30 minute walk. Now I'm not going to get that ritual yeah. accomplished at this present time, a 20 <laughs> right. or 30 minute walk, you know, <laughs> yeah. by myself or with the dog or with the baby or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be replaced by something else. I start my day with a very, to me, the most important 30 minutes of any part of the day for me is the first 30 minutes of the day. So I have a very specific waking practice and, and I'll just, cause we could talk all day about these things. It doesn't involve picking this thing up right away. Yeah. One of the things that our, our resilience rank assessment shows us is that people are practically sleeping with this man. It's like strapped yeah. to their bodies yeah. and I get it. This is money. This is business right here. This is connection. Yeah. That, to the world. Yeah. This is your lifeline. This is yeah. safety for a lot of for a lot of people. And this yeah. is an addiction on top yeah. of it. And we're all addicts anyway. It's just a question of, you know, where does it interfere with, with things in your life? And this is interfering with people in so many ways because it's creating low levels of anxiety, almost consistent and constantly throughout the day. You know, cortisol is constantly flowing in our bodies like a cocktail because <laughs> of this thing. And yeah. I'm not saying throw it out because I have it here. I don't throw it out. But one of my little rituals is that I have it on vibrate most of the day. I have it on uh, on a, a grayscale. You can get rid of the colors and turn it to grayscale so you're not itching to touch it because it's less attractive to you. Strange little thing, but you got to work with your subconscious, work with, with these subliminal messages that are being used by tech companies to get you to touch it, to get yeah. you to look at it. Just work and counteract that kind of thing, but on your own terms. Give yourself time away from it. What we did at the beach, you know, I said, we started that summer when I was 19 with a death, with this awful event. I worked there seven more summers and we never lost anybody again. And we were 20 lifeguards, 20 lifeguards. And this is Jones beach, the South shore of long Island. Yeah. There were thousands and thousands of people in the water at the same time. 
How on earth did could we have an impeccable record? It's because we were toggling. And this is the term that we use when we're teaching about resilience rituals is that you toggle back and forth like a light switch between on and off. We were in the stand an hour, down from the from out of the stand an hour, in the stand, out of the stand, in the stand, out of the stand, on and off throughout the day. And on those off hours, we would eat our lunch, we would read a book, we would take a nap, we would work out, you know, go in the, into the lifeguard shack and lift weights and stuff like that. And and on big, big days, you know, when we needed everybody, all hands on deck, well, then we were prepared for that. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not suggesting for some of you, many, many of you perhaps, that you work for an hour and then relax for an hour. You don't need to do that because like corporate executives will always say to me, hey, man, you can't tell that to my people <laughs> because it's not it's not what needs to be done. Right. But you're you're actively engaged in one thing, one area of focus for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, which is typically how much it's a long time. Yeah. yeah, it's a long time. And then you've got 10 or 15 minutes before you start that cycle again to yeah. be able to retool, take that walk, sit quiet, close your eyes, take some nice deep breaths, get a get a yeah. green drink or make something healthy for yourself to drink yeah. or to eat. Put your legs up a wall. This is one of my favorite rituals. Just literally <laughs> sit with your, your, your hiney uh, pressed up against the baseboard and your legs straight up the wall. And you can do that for 10, 15, 20 minutes with something dark over your eyes. And you can turn on insight timer or some other thing to listen to a meditation or 528 Hertz uh, frequency music. And 20 minutes later, man, it feels like you've had a four hour nap. You are, uh, you are better than one. sleeping. You are rested. And then you come back and go, okay, What's next? Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to fire. I'm ready to think about marketing. I'm ready to think about, make a decision about our rebrand. I mean, yeah. these are tough decisions, but you're making them, most, most often people are making them when they're exhausted. Yeah. And they're always exhausted. So the question is, how do we, how do we turn that back? And, and that's what I feel is strongly represented by the content in this book. Yeah, that's great. I, this is very good. And I'm going to try that one, by the way, the feet, the, the, the feet up the wall. Yeah, um, I love that, Joe. I am going to love it. I, I, I'm, I'm really hung up. But one of the other questions I had was on the recovery. And I think you've really been hitting on that really well. Um, you, you say resilience. I know you talked about the four pieces. Resilience is more than just physical. It's the mental, it's the emotional, and it's the spiritual. Um, and you kind of just went through several pieces right there that would fit almost every one of those. Um, from the meditation to the going yep. for the walk to the nutrition, you're not just feeding your body, you're feeding your mind with um, things that you could be doing. I, I hope everyone took a lot of notes there because you just kind of went through a bunch of little re recovery rituals that a lot of us could adopt. Some of them I'm doing, some of them I need to be doing more of like the walks, but right. the, like I do a lot of, um, I've been trying to replace my, my afternoon coffee ritual with replacing it with a um, like this, it's almost like a nutritional energy drink mix that one of my friends sent over to me, and just changing up the rituals too, so that way you're not habitually always doing the same thing at the same time every day. I think it also stimulate and help because that's I'm already seeing that add a different freshness to you know different times of my day by breaking it up that way. Yeah. Um, Really it, it has a lot to do with energy. It has a lot to do with the time of day that you do something, with the yeah. frequency, the duration. And and also, it, it will have to do with whether you're doing it alone or with other people. Because people who gain energy from being on their own, like I speak publicly all the time, and yet I'm an introvert. Go figure. A yeah. lot of people who are out in the public eye are actually introverts. So I, what it means to me is I gain energy alone. Right. On my yeah. own solo. Me and yet too. other people, they gain energy by being around other people. And that's how they recharge. 
So you just have to know that about yourself as well, because the rituals won't work if you're if there's a disconnect there. And that's what falls in that spiritual category. It's not about religion. It's about what's where where there's truly alignment. Um, and and the thing about this too, and you brought this up, is that some of these things, like a walk, a walk can be every. It can tick off all four of those categories. So yeah. I, I'll often say, you know, don't get your shorts in a bunch about which one it is. We're always trying to put things in little nice, neat boxes, and it's not about balance. I, I call BS on the whole work life balance thing in in terms of that because. This is about harmony. It's about creating harmony between these things and harmony in our bodies, which creates homeostasis, creates equilibrium, creates a feeling inside of us that we're, we're in a good place. When we're in a good place, we feel we're in a good place. We're kinder to people. We're kinder to ourselves. We're able to take on challenges that would otherwise take us out. You know, there's so many things that come from creating this foundation for mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual resilience. And and the thing about it when it comes to our, ourselves individually as well as in organizations is that we have to have permission. And so yeah. often it is people don't give themselves permission and the people that they're leading don't feel that, that they have permission either because culturally it's not seen as something that you reward and that it's not rewarded. It seems almost selfish to be thinking about how you chop up your day so that if it's on the hour that you get five minutes to stretch and move your body, you know, that that becomes a thing that's, that's not negotiable. You go, you know, yeah. but you still got to get your report done. <laughs> you still got to produce right. that content or whatever it might be. And that you're, you're being recharging and resetting becomes secondary to these, these to do's. So I, I think it, I want to say that only because there's a shift that's really required a mental shift, a mindset shift. I feel really good because we've spoken for some really, really big companies in the last in the last year because people have been really in, in kind of tough spots and mental health has yeah. been on a steady decline. And so I think that organizations are more open to this, more open to the fact that we can train it. Resilience is something you can actually learn at any age and you can train it for others. Uh, I even got the honor of speaking uh, at the U.S., uh, for the U.S. Marines, uh, just just a couple of months ago here in Camp Pendleton, uh, both Marines themselves and and their their superiors, their officers, uh, to talk about the culture within the military because there's this wonderful thing. You know, you don't leave people in the field. Nobody's left behind. You know, they they get that. Oh, yeah. That's that's you know embedded in the culture. And yet at the same time, there's a culture of silence that people don't talk about their problems. <laughs> you talk about a great you know <laughs> divide or disconnect. And so, you know, when people are not doing well um, in that space, whether it's, you know, post-deployment or, or while they're, you know, still in service, they don't really have a lot of permission to speak about it. Yeah. And that, that depletes them. And depletion, depletion leads to poor decision-making. It leads to mistakes. It leads to so many things that, that get in the way of everything that we say we want in our lives. There, there's an overarching theme here of just kind of giving yourself permission to take care of yourself. And that is the, the preparation needed to properly anticipate, uh, you know, that those big changes are going to occur and to have those, those recovery uh, rituals like in place for yourself. And, you know, I, I hear your examples of, you know, taking care of the the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and different ways you can do it. But that seems like the overarching theme. I've heard you say, you use the word, you know, be, it's okay to be selfish. 
and to take care of yourself first. Um, I think that redefines resilience in of itself. And you've done that so wonderfully, so beautifully um, in the book and in here in this interview. I just really appreciate that. Thank you, Joe. I, I talked over you there. I'm sorry. Um, no. You know, I, I think it's a reframe of a sort, but I feel like it it's self it's selfless. Yeah. It truly is. Because if I was depleted on that lifeguard stand or any of my you know, comrades, my crew were, were in yeah. the same place. We couldn't have done what we did, man. I can't, you know, to be a father of four, to be able to, to stand up to the responsibilities of, of that, of life, you know, of the mistakes I've made, the errors in judgment of my own, you know, you have, you have to be resilient to do those things. It's selfless to develop yeah. your resilience because it yeah. helps you to be there for other people. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, cool. you, you, uh, you really just rock through my questions. You know, one of the your mantras and philosophies, one of your declarations is, uh, I love my life. You can see you, uh, people who watch your Ted talk or watch your videos will see you're wearing the shirt often. Uh, it's either a shirt of resilience or a shirt of, I love my life. And, uh, I really love that because you're giving us the tools, um, to make that, I think, easy for all of us with this new book, with the work that you're doing, the research that you're doing the message that you're sending to the world. I hope you sell millions of this book, um, Change Proof. Uh, the subtitle is Leveraging the Power of Uncertainty to Build Long-Term Resilience, which I think is fantastic. Uh, you explain throughout the book how this becomes uh, a team's, a company, uh, an entrepreneur's competitive advantage, a parent's competitive advantage in the uh, in the marketplace and with their, with their, with their children. And it's nothing better that you could pass on to your kids and than this incredible quality of being resilient and the way that you define it and redefined it. You said reframed it, which is the right word um, is something that I think the world needs to hear more of. So congrats on the book. I hope everyone picks up a copy, go to changeproof.com and pick up a copy. You can go to uh, resilientrank.com. The links will be below the video on the page in the podcast notes, et cetera. Um, it's a free assessment you can take from Adam. They can also see find you at adammarkell.com. Is that correct, Adam? That's uh, correct. And get caught up on everything going on in your world. I know you have a podcast, your keynote speaking. You won't be for a while, but hopefully oh, you'll, no, be, man. you'll be doing we're, it we're three, months now. <laughs> three, three months from now. Yeah, you're still going to do it virtually, right? I'm well, sure companies won't uh, pass you up. I'm going to be standing on a stage in, in a week, man. And, yeah, uh, good, you know, good. Send a good. picture and send it to me. I want to see <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have one of those cringing smiles i'm smiling but it hurts a little <clears throat> no i hope um i wish you fast healing and uh oh. thanks thanks for being a guest today on the show would you would you come back sometime for our for oh. our audience joe i this has been a pleasure you're a master at at the interviewing technique which is not an easy one and i appreciated exactly how you you took us through it and yes it would be my honor to come back uh we'd love to have you back thanks for being with us adam markell everyone uh, until next week, I'll see you guys on the Not Your Average Joe show. Adam is not average. I'm going to challenge every one of you to not be average as well. Until next time. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe show with international business mentor Joe Soto.